1: This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Coming soon after basketball season. Today I'm on 4 to 6. But I am here live. We're having a lively conversation about uh, internet freedom in general. And I want to start talking about uh, the privacy leg of that. I think it's a two-pronged thing. There's Uh, censorship, which net neutrality threatens to impose upon us in ways yet to be seen. And then there's privacy, which is kind of the other, it's the government wants our information to go up to it, but it wants to control the information that comes down to us. But the question of privacy, you can live with it, right? You can make your emails not exactly what you maybe, you wouldn't lay it all out there if you think somebody's reading it. But when they start putting TVs, every TV is going to have a camera at some point. And we already know that your phone can be a listening device in your home, even if it's off in the off position. If you don't know that, you can verify it on the Internet. So the question for me is my kids have I'm pretty limited on the electronic devices, but they're everywhere in my house. And that's still considered limited. But my kids don't have them in their rooms night and day, whatever. But they are going to get used to the idea of their electronic devices everywhere. And at some point, I'm going to have to tell them if I really think it's a risk that they that what they say, especially when they're young, is going to be compiled and stored in this Utah data center. They actually the government actually developed this great voice to text technology so that they could retrieve the stuff that we say so they could take our phone calls and just put them into a retrie- retrievable format, it, which text is a lot easier to search. So uh, they and we were told by Bill Binney, like the original whistleblower of note recently, that uh, that that they're collecting all of our information in like four dimensions and in every possible way in the here and now, and also through time, and they're going to create a four dimensional image of you that's even more complete than. Then you know, and it, in my opinion, it's not—it's not even going to be accurate because it won't take into account your own growth. It's gonna—it can take things from your youth, something stupid, something out of context, something that you would only say to somebody who knew what you really meant, and it can piece those things together to really compromise your your life. So maybe you're going to want to stop saying or communicating anything. And eventually it'll start affecting how you think you're going to think in this new language of, of censorship. And I wonder really if that is going to affect humanity, is it going to further make people like, I look at cultural influences that make people kind of less noble, more animalistic. And I wish, I mean, I'm not a very cultured person, but I recognize that, uh, Instructive literature is better than Diary of a Wimpy Kid, which I actually enjoyed, but that stuff is like reading television, and it's different from reading literature that gives you an insight into human nature or courage or dignity or whatever thing. Is is this another um, blow to the the nobility of man, let's say? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Andrew and Buckhead. We're going to, uh, I know that you, we were talking before the break about the first leg, about this net neutrality thing about censorship. And what is your comment?
2: Well, you talked about, um, uh, part of the, the Trojan horse of being that the government, um, you know, let's pass the bill before we can tell you what's about it. Um, I'm actually in high school and I have a couple websites of my own and run a business. And, um, it is apparent to me and uh, and to other developers out there um, that when you make a website, you're using um, Google or Amazon, um, Amazon's web services, they have a massive empire where you can create virtual servers in the cloud and everything, is that small businesses don't need to be on the same level as Google and Netflix, because in reality, you're actually buying those services to be on the web and publish your website with the big guys, so... I don't see the real need for this push for Obamanet, this push for, you know, faster internet for everyone because that doesn't help anyone. That's
1: such an interesting point because, yes, I use WordPress. That's my blog. It's like $45 a year, and I just, it's wonderful. You can go to Amazon and pay
2: $0.13 an hour for peak usage, and there really needs to be some engineers and developers that butt into this conversation like like myself because it's really important to get their view because... um, they really know what's going on
1: well this is interesting andrew i want to ask you one more question but let me just make a point that i i don't think that this is this net neutrality movement is what they say it is anyway because yeah exactly. the claim is that they want it for it to fast track that that they want to prevent netflix and the other guys from getting a fast lane but if it were a benefit to netflix they would want it but they don't want it so they're they don't expect you know, a fast a, lane to be an it's advantage it's a, they know they're just going to get charged right. fees for it
2: it's a complete ploy money grab. And for people like myself and my peers, when, uh, when, you know, when we're adults, we're going to end up having to pay, you know, the $17 billion increase in fees. And just like Obamacare, it was just, you can read the bill after we finish it. And that's, that's administrative law right there.
1: Yep. And what a mess.
2: Congress uh, does have oversight. But, you know, when, you know, our, you know, Republican majority is going to clamp down on it. People are going to type Republicans saying that they're compromising the middle class. But in fact, the the Democrats, you know, and Mr. Wheeler making this bill were actually, you know, from the start making that up the whole time.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I definitely think that it's the us versus them. The Republicans, and the Democrats do not represent the, the wants and needs of their constituents. It's a complete scam. But I have a specific question for you, Andrew, because you said you're in high school. And I wonder when you think of so you're basically growing up in this world where privacy is a real like you you can't be sure that you have privacy even with your door closed. Does that affect how you behave and communicate?
2: Well, I mean, you know, we have to think about the Patriot Act here and you can be at any time be detained without question for um, alleged uh, uh, plotting of terrorism. So I'm, I like the fact that my, you know, data is being compiled together because that means, you know, Jihad John's going to get caught sometime or another. Um, but I, I let my uh, data go to Google and these other places because they make my life easier because they know what I want. They know what ads they want to serve to me. But for the business people out there, it's a tool for creating analytics to see how well they are creating products and services. Um, and Google's done a very good job of it because you can see that the products in which they make, for instance, Android, um, are a lot suited better to the comments of the community rather than Apple because they are very straightforward with their privacy and they don't, and they don't, um, they're very transparent, unlike Google, which takes a lot of your information. But in fact, Google's creating a better product out there. So I think privacy, I mean, a lot of Dems, you know, are super crazy about it, but there's no, like, a, you know, you know, what, what is the government going to do with your personal information that will harm you?
1: Well, I'll answer that question, Andrew, is that a corporation is just plain greedy. And if there's enough competition, the way they get your money is to offer you a better product. But the government is in, a, is a, in the game of deception. It wants to take your rights that you give it. It's all its power and money comes from you. And you want to give it to them your power and money so that they protect your rights. But they want to use it for themselves to have um, ego gratification or financial benefits or to set up their kids or hobnob with big wigs, whatever they want it for. It's a deception. So they will have the upper hand and perhaps abuse the power, abuse the information uh, that they get from us because they want to do something with it without our knowledge and understanding. That's why I'm really not afraid of companies, but I am afraid of the government. Uh, but I want to continue this conversation about privacy. I'm going to go to Vince and Conyers. Hi, Vince. You're on with Monica.
0: Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Um, oh, no, good. Listen, th- there's been, first, let me just say, you know, I think that being an American, I have a right to privacy, period. Um, But you do know in our Constitution, they lay out specific rights all throughout the Constitution, but there is nowhere in the Bill of Rights that says we have a right to privacy, which is kind of strange, but that's how our founding fathers wrote it. Well, the Fourth Amendment,
1: though, is that you can't—effectively gives you the right to privacy, doesn't it? Because they can't search your personal effects?
0: Yeah, well, that, that's but that's really the only thing. It doesn't say they can't spy on you. I mean, it's I, I don't know. Well, if
1: you but well, the Constitution isn't a an exhaustive list of rights. It says it only lists the rights that they anticipated the government would want to violate itself. It doesn't say you're allowed to walk around naked in your own house, but you are, right? I
0: know, but don't you think? And this was all because of the revolution. Here, you know, they were listing specific things that they wanted us to have.
1: Yeah, they wanted uh, us to have the ability to plot against the government.
0: Right. I'm not sure if you're a fan of The West Wing or not, but Aaron Sorkin must have been a very pro- prolific writer because they wrote about this whole privacy issue in one of their episodes. And it's, a long time ago. I oh, know a very long time ago, and it, and you know they said in the 21st century that's what it's. That's the whole ballgame. It's going to be about our absolute right to privacy or not.
1: Well, I'm going to after the break. I'm going to read the text of the Fourth Amendment and see if we think that that does actually give us a right to privacy. I think it does, and I and furthermore. I think it only delineates what's necessary for us to plot against the government, but in reality, and and this just shows that the Constitution can't possibly mean to enumerate every single right. The basic need, privacy, I I I think, is a necessity. They couldn't possibly deny you a necessity. That is actually where where my thoughts are going on this. 404-872-0750, zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB talk You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
0: Monica Perez on News 95.5 at a.m. 750 WSB.
1: We're talking about privacy. Vince just said he thinks that or that nowhere in the Constitution does it give us the right to privacy. But I say the Fourth Amendment implies that we have total privacy unless very specific Uh, circumstances arise let me read it's one sentence two lines the fourth amendment the right of the people to be secure in their persons houses papers and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly like with particularity describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized You read that, you don't have to be a lawyer. I am a lawyer, but you don't have to be a lawyer. Yeah, I'm a lawyer. I went to law school, I'm a member of the bar. You don't have to be a lawyer to know, to just read that and know that every single thing I have ever heard that the NSA has done is a violation of the Fourth Amendment and both of the Georgia Senators, if I recall correctly, voted to continue funding it. And that's when I gave up on those guys. So the Fourth Amendment is crystal clear that you have privacy in your persons, houses, papers, and effects. It's totally blanket unless a very specific thing is searched for in a certain place that somebody swears that they have a good reason to think it's there and a judge issues a warrant. I think we can't get around the fact that we have a right to privacy. Uh, I am going to see if... I'm going to go to Bob in Atlanta Bob, I don't have a ton of time, so I want to hear what you have to say. Give it to me in a nutshell.
0: Hi, Monica. Hi, Bob. Knowledge is power. If I have knowledge of your financial situation, then I have the leverage to give you financial advice on what you should do with your money. If I have knowledge of your medical situation, such as in a health information network, which you might want to check out, then I have the power to make medical decisions for you. They'll start out being optional. I will, depending on whether Rick Santorum or the other side is in office, will send out a flyer, uh, voluntary, educating you either for or against abortion or for or against vaccination, just depending on who's in office.
1: And So then, so your vom- point is that by having that knowledge... You, these people have the power, and privacy is how you keep the knowledge from those people. So not only is knowledge power, but privacy is uh, how to control the knowledge. Yeah, I think there's no way around it. So we need it. We need the privacy to have the power. 404-872-0750 zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez.
0: On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB.
1: I am the libertarian on WSB, which is why I take very seriously our liberties personal liberties, economic liberties, internet liberty, and privacy is an important part of that. And I'm beginning to think, or just upon reflection, that in order to, like, I think about how. I really came to some of the more profound insights I've had about life and really not in life. I'm not like that uh, <laughs> introspective, more like the true structure of power in the world today, honestly, is what I like think about before I had a radio show after I was an investment banker and I was a stay-at-home mom, I would just, my brain was like melting from, and my first child, who I love so much, has Down syndrome. So like, it was years before I could have any kind of high-level discourse with these kids I take care of, my kids. And I just would read nonfiction and read, you know, what's going on, try to figure out what was really behind the news. what's what's the What's the difference between right and wrong? And in order to do that, to really let my mind question the historical narrative, all that kind of stuff, I couldn't, uh, like my husband didn't care about what I thought about that stuff. He never pushed back on that. He just doesn't care. So unlike when I was an investment banker or even worked in a law firm for a summer, I couldn't, you could never come up with really questioning the power structure, questioning if banks have unfair privileges, perhaps, or if uh, lawyers create complicated laws just to get more bills, uh, get higher billing. Like you just can't say or think stuff like that. And you're right not to, and who has the time anyway? But in this freedom of my own thoughts of not having to answer to anybody, I really came to some uh, profound insights. And And if you could not have private thoughts, if you could not... Uh, talk to people about what you think might really be going on without fear that that thing will be taken out of context or or broadcast to your boss. You can't really figure out the true nature of power, the true how power rewrites history, for example. Like you can't come to any real insights on the truth if you are if you are not allowed to think. Things that are outside of the mainstream. So to me, you can't understand anything without the privacy of your own thoughts. And I feel like this idea that everything that every electronic device, anything that can be plugged in can listen to you and that they're going to collect that stuff is bad for us as individuals and it's bad for civil society and humanity as a whole. And uh, and I'm not the only one who thinks that. I know a lot of people think that I got a great post. It just took me, what, five minutes to say that. But Donnie said it a lot shorter. He said on my Facebook page, I think the whole attitude is there's just not much we can do about losing our privacy at this point because it really isn't that big uh, of a deal anyway. Besides, it really isn't that big of a deal He says, it is a big deal. Privacy gives us a kind of individuality and grace that encourages us to prosper even during difficult times. That's an interesting take. And I kind of countered back to him. Is it only this upside thing? Is it only that you're going to be better off uh, with privacy or is there also a downside? If kids are deprived of it, are they going to have, I mean, uh, psychosis? Like what is, we don't know what, what that, it just seems unnatural to me. And then, Someone else replied, yes, it will, absolutely. I suffered through a childhood of absolute non-privacy, including not being allowed to close my bedroom door or the bathroom door. It does actually result in severe mental illness. And that's my instinct, is that it is, it is really bad, and I feel like the people who influence our culture in these ways are people of a very different view of the individual, of humanity, that we're not a noble... Uh, creatures that that we can be considered a herd of animals really that's what i think it's this elitism that that we're the masses and they know what's best and it doesn't matter anyway but what do you think 404 8720 750 800 wsb talk i'm going to uh isaac and marietta hi isaac you're on with monica
2: hello hi hi Domin. um my my question uh is that since the FCC law didn't come through Congress. Can we say that there's no law that exists to control the internet?
1: You could say that, but in fact the way it will actually work in practice is Congress would have to pass legislation that overrode that law. If Congress does not now take action, and that's why I don't like it, because yesterday we had, or a week ago, we had no internet regulation. Now we either have this one or something which I'm sure will be way worse coming from Congress.
2: Now, that, that doesn't mean it gives the companies also right to challenge it in court because all uh, uh, legislation or laws have to come from Congress. So today, to me, it doesn't. It's no law. I mean, yeah. we elected yeah. people to pass law, and that is Congress. So oh I yeah, no, this is tough.
1: I think all these commissions and administrations are totally unconstitutional. And I said earlier, when I was in law school, the professor said, don't ever tell me we were studying administrative law. He said, I don't want to talk about the constitution. Let's just say basically it's unconstitutional, but we have it and we have to understand how it works. Uh, Okay. And we do. And that's the problem is that you can't win. And they have these, I, the, this, you can argue on technicalities, but the fact is, it will come down. I remember I was a New Yorker. I am a New Yorker, and I lived in New York for a long time. And they always wanted to pass this law of banning smoking in restaurants and bars. And everybody in New York would just crack up. Like, why would they ever do that? New York is just, we are up till four in the morning. There are no children here. Uh, there was like, and it was everybody was just... That was the thing. Like, it would destroy um, businesses and stuff like that. They could not pass the law. So Giuliani came in, and he made it a health regulation. And I said, man, to the bar owners and stuff, don't even, I would say to the bartender, don't enforce that law. That's ridiculous. New New Yorkers aren't going to fall for this. They'd have to use the entire police force to get us to conform. And they did comply. They would ask you politely not to smoke in their restaurants. And I remember thinking, bleh. Then... I set up a bar at home in my house. And then I, you know, they lost all the business. And years later, I went back to my favorite place and I said, Man, I hate it that you can't smoke in bars here. I was still smoking at the time. And the bartender said it absolutely ruined their business. They were a restaurant still, but the bar. The money was just gone. And that was a health regulation. That, And then Bloomberg came in and made it even more draconian. And nobody ever, I mean, maybe they fought it. I don't know. But it seemed like they just laid down and accepted it. So these regulations, people always say, you're libertarian. But surely the government should have the power to regulate. No. No. They can't handle power. They don't use it for the people. They always use it for the people who can give it back to them. They're never going to use their power, the government, to take care of the little guy who offers nothing in return. They will only use it for the big guy who offers something in return. And with the smoking thing, yes, it did hurt some businesses, but there were very powerful forces that wanted to do that. As a matter of fact, Bloomberg said, this is an insight into what motivates this kind of thing. He said, basically, I have all this money, more money than I can spend. I'm not going to live forever. I want to shape the world beyond my lifetime i want to leave a legacy of uh of this thing that i think is good and that that's just a megalomania that's one of the many motivations but i don't know maybe it's um i just don't think there's there's any way around administrative law i am going to marry in atlanta hi mary you are on with monica
3: Hi, Monica. I want to say that I, uh, I think your logic is absolutely correct that you cannot oppose a government that you can't talk about or organize in private. And, uh, so privacy is inherent. But my, uh, my personal experience I want to inject is that I've been to Russia and to the Soviet Union many, many times and the lack of privacy deeply affected the culture and, uh, Communication and personal relationships where Tell me more. Um, people became so deceptive that it became a way of life. I oh. mean, I remember in the 80s when I would go there, it, it began to dawn on me that people assumed that I was lying no matter what I was saying. And it was, and it becomes so much a part of you that it becomes very easy to deceive even in personal relationships with your your spouse or whoever.
1: Yeah, I have noticed that, that there are cultures or people, I'll go to a place and I and there's something funny about how they're talking to each other. I'm like, oh, I guess it's okay to lie here. And then their response is that we're like naive, innocent children, you know what I mean? They think that we're the fools because right. we're honest and open, but that's such an interesting insight.
3: Well, it's, you know, fear and, and several generations of, you know, several generations of uh development of this um this culture between people um that there's not there's no experience of of communication and freedom. There's no experience of Right. And they've they've
1: developed a workaround around this problem. But the but what's wrong with the workaround is it takes a lot of energy And you can't then put all of your resources in a straightforward way of communicating and working together to actually make something good. And I noticed that when, like Eastern Europeans, I hate to point the finger, but it seemed to me it was Eastern Europeans when the Iron Curtain fell. I was in New York and they took over, I don't know what it was, like the nursing home industry or whatever. They found an industry that was funded by the government and they knew how to exploit that angle. So instead of using the in- industriousness to add value and create new businesses. Uh, some of them found the easy money, which was the government, and then they used their industriousness just to exploit uh, the taxpayers. So it's just such a waste, such an unproductive, uncreative waste of resources and direction.
3: Well, there's where we re- they really think we're fools because they understand, you know, how vulnerable we are to, to that kind of um, deceptive yeah. business practice.
1: And we are fools in that way. And that's why I often think that even if um, some of the Nordic countries can function with socialism, this country, which has a kind of diverse culture and I want to call it a melting pot. People don't like immigration for this reason. You you can't uh, know. How what the signs are and how to trust people. You don't have the same values. They think you're a sucker. They don't want to, you know what I mean? Like you have a pool of welfare. People will exploit it because they have no sense of community with you. But I guess that's another right. topic. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm going to get to a couple more calls after the break, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, I think also that liberty brings out the best in people i think that's uh mary's triggering in me a thought i wrote i posted a passage from one of these book this book tragedy and hope by carol quigley which is a great book very insightful this guy tells all about the power elite from the inside and he does it because he rejoices he loves them but they were mad because he told all their secrets But one of the he was very insightful, I think, as um, a historian, but from the left, like had a collectivist mentality. And he talked about how the 19th century was marked by this sense of individuality and inherent goodness of man so that the common interests of the community would result in a positive society, even without government control. And then after the world wars, People realized that man was inherently evil and needed to be completely controlled every step of the way. And I, first of all, think the world war, the world wars were set up by a very small group of people who were bad, but it is not a reflection on human nature and that human nature is. That we do have a non-animal element to our nature that, uh, that means that if it, left to our own devices in a competitive environment where being bad is seen and rejected, liberty, which that is fostered by, co- competition is a, is a function of liberty, we will have the best outcome. That people in their freedom to be who they are, which privacy is a, a necessary element of, will... Uh, actually come out to a prosperous, peaceful, and compassionate society. And I think that we're headed in the wrong direction, and this is going to make it way worse. Excellent insights by Mary. Thank you. If uh, you want to tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show, or um, post on my Facebook page, which you can get to through my website, MonicaPerezShow.com.
0: This is Scottsley. Join us Monday early for Atlanta's Morning News for breaking news in Atlanta. Team coverage, traffic updates every six minutes, and the chance of rain to start the week in Kirk Mellis's five-day forecast on WSB.
1: This is Monica Perez. We're wrapping it up. I am not here next week, but I'm back in my regular time, Saturday three to six the week after that, which I think is March 14th. But to keep track of when I'm on and when I'm not on, uh, you can follow me on my blog, monicaperezshow.com, Perez show.com or on Twitter at Monica Perez show, or you can like me on Facebook. And I always like to get a few likes after a show. So if you like me on Facebook, I will notice and be happy. um, And I also wanted to mention that Leonard Nimoy died this week. And I hate to uh, make him identical with Mr. Spock, but he cannot escape that, I'm sorry to say. And I just loved Mr. Spock. I loved him. I loved Star Trek, the original series. Kirk was absolutely dreamy, but Mr. Spock was my guy. I loved his dignity and composure and as somebody said on uh, my Facebook page, Montine said, uh, Leonard Nimoy lived long and prospered. And I wish that same thing to you. And I will talk to you in two weeks. This is Monica Perez.